Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Cricket. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left for tonight's 11th round 2022 LV County Championship review show, I'm delighted to welcome back my Nottinghamshire-based Yorkshire-supporting co-host, Mr. Matt Wiley. So Matt, first things first, mate, thank you very much for coming back onto the show. As you know, always a pleasure to get yourself on for a chat about all things county cricket. I have to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? Hi, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for having me back. Uh, becoming a very regular thing, like you said. Uh, yeah, been a good day so far, thank you. Um, nice start to the weekend. And um, yeah, it's uh, these, these podcasts, the weekly podcasts, they come around quite fast, don't they? Yeah, they do. And unfortunately for me as a Warwickshire fan, they come around very, very fast. And yes, I have to try my best to dissect and discuss the Bears' performances in 2022. It gets harder every single week, but again, I'm not going to stew on that just yet, listeners. Word of warning in advance, there might be a bit of a rant later when we do get to the Warwickshire-Kent game, but I thought for this week we'd actually change it up because so much has happened in Division 2 of this year's county championship in the 11th round that I thought we'd actually start with the Division 2 games for a bit of a change, you know, switch things up, we're getting to the business end of the tournament, why not try something different? And what better place to start this week's review show than at Grace Road, where we witnessed history being made as Glamorgan thrashed Leicestershire by an innings and 28 runs at the Upton Steel County Ground. Now, just to give a little bit of context to this game, Leicestershire won the toss, elected to have a bat first in this game, which appeared to have paid off spectacularly in their first innings, as the Foxes racked up 500 and 84 runs from 148 first innings overs. With VR Mulder, very impressive in Hove last week, continuing his excellent form with a masterful 156 from 201 deliveries. Ben Mike scoring 91 from 148. He still hasn't reached that maiden first-class ton, though. And I've got to be honest, I'm gutted. I'm really, really keeping my fingers crossed that the man with two first names can get those three figures at some point, but an excellent effort nonetheless. Then we saw an 81 from Lewis Hill, a 68 from Louis Kimber, and a 64 from Roman Walker. Now, at this point in the game, 584 runs, you're thinking the Foxes are on top. And just for the listeners out there who have not seen this game, who have no clue about what we're about to discuss, I want you to make a prediction, okay? I'll give you a little bit of a background story. Within the first six overs, or seven overs of their innings, I should say, Glamorgan were nine for two. How many runs do you think the Welsh outfits ended with by the end of their first innings? Myself and Matt know because we've been watching the game, but please do let us know your predictions. Nine for two, what do you think Glamorgan ended with by the end of their first innings? Well, I'm about to tell you, they ended on a ridiculous total of 795 for five declared. The highest total in Glamorgan's 101-year first-class cricketing history. A monumental segment of that total was scored by one man, a man who he mentions in depth in last week's podcast, a certain Sam Northeast. 410 not outs from 450 balls, 603 minutes spent at the crease, 45 fours, three sixes, 
a 91.11 strike rate. Matt, this is going to be a tremendously difficult challenge, but how would you go about describing this extraordinary individual effort that we've had the pleasure and the privilege of witnessing in Leicester this weekend? I think, mate, you can't really, can you? It's just, it, it's so monumental. Like you said, it's so defining. It, it will be the defining moment of Division 2. It's like, you know, the fact that it was it was the first time anyone had passed 400 in the Cat Championships and Brian Lara got his all-time high first-class score in 1994. It is just so unbelievable you, you you almost run out of superlatives for it. it you know the fact that you raise your back when you get 50 you take your helmet off and you salute the crowd when you get 100 you get four times that you're just so so dominant it's just well ludicrous really isn't it i mean i think i think that's how i think that's the word i use dominant because it's just to to have the number of the bowling side quite so comprehensively that you can basically just score runs at will. I mean, I know there's, te- there's several batters, or, you know, there's quite a few batters with techniques that make it look easy to score runs. To actually literally have the ability to just score runs at will. And, you know, the man, was, he went to 400 with a six, didn't he? You know, the confidence that he displayed. Yeah, I've, it, 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 it almost seems underwhelming to describe it as brilliant or fantastic. I think you've just got to sit back and go... Well, that's something else. He's just era defining, well, maybe not era, but you know, season defining, definitely. And to be fair, it was colossal in helping him fight back from that position that you talked about. And as I'm sure we'll go on to, it was colossal in shaping the outcome of the game. Well, it most certainly was. And before we touch upon the remainder of this game and Glamorgan's outstanding second innings bowling display, just a bit more context surrounding this knock from Sam Northeast. It should come as absolutely no surprise this is the highest individual score in Glamorgan's history. In fact, when he reached his triple century, he became just the second player in Glamorgan's history to score a triple ton. That's after Steve James's 309 not outs against Sussex back in 2000. So this is not just season-defining, but career-defining. Sam Northeast has essentially just booked his place in the history books, the pantheons of Glamorgan's first-class cricketing history, for the rest of time. It's outstanding, it's glorious, and almost it's a great it's a great display of, of what makes cricket so brilliant, but also so, so cruel at the same time. We saw Leicestershire setting all those records and having that incredible performance down in Hove last week. And then in the very next game, they're the ones at the opposite end. They're on the receiving end of this extraordinary individual feat from Sam Northeast. And again, this should come as absolutely no surprise, but Sam Northeast is the current leader run scorer in Division 2. 1,127 runs, an average of 75.13. It's, it's remarkable. It really is. We talk about dominance. We talk about marquee signings. This piece of business recruiting Sam Northeast, who we mentioned how prolific he was in Division 1 in years gone by for the likes of Hampshire and Kent and Yorkshire and Notts as well at times in 2021. But goodness me, this really has paid off in sensational fashion. So all that we can really say is congratulations, Sam Northeast. That is a knock which we'll be remembering for for years to come. I don't think anybody will be forgetting that 
anytime soon and almost paled in insignificance in comparison, and I still think it needs a mention, is Chris Cook's 191 out. Because Chris Cook, he's been a fantastic servant for Glam for so many years. He actually surpassed the 6,000 career first-class run mark in this game. That was an outstanding innings as well. He scored that from just 227 balls, 19 fours, three sixes. Colin Ingram chipping in with 139 from 236. And this is just one of the most mind-blowing, incredible scorecards you're ever going to see in your life. Okay, let me just read this out for the listeners out there. David Lloyd, two. Eddie Byron, one. Colin Ingram, 139. Sam Northeast, 410 out. Kieran Carson, nine. Billy Root, Golden Duck. Chris Cook, 191 out. 795 for five declared. And as you rightfully said, Matt, this set up a grandstand finish at Grace Road this week. Leicestershire, 65 overs. That's all that they had to do. Survive that, secure the points, come out with a draw. But remarkably, Glamorgan spearheaded by the ever-reliable Aussie duo of Michael Hogan and Michael Nisa bowled out the home side for 183 runs within just 59.4 overs to secure this monumental statement victory for Glamorgan in the dying stages of day four in Leicester. Matt, before we move on, and it's a shame because I could almost dedicate the entire podcast to this one game, in terms of the wider context, we'll get onto the table in due course. This really could be the point where Glamorgan looked back at the end of 2022 and say this was the game where we sealed our place in Division 1. Yeah, absolutely could. And I think the the bravery of it as well, and the, the maybe not, I don't know, just, just the willingness to go for it, because they could, you know, no, I don't think anybody would have blamed them for coming out and at least batting maybe another 10 minutes after lunch to let Chris Cook get to his double century, if nothing else. But then, of course, you know, Sam Northeast has got Brian Lowry's record in his sights, and nobody would have blamed Glamorgan for just, you know, just keep going, just bat it out, maximum point draw, you're still ahead of Middlesex, you know, it's it's a good it's a good outing. But no, they made the, you know, the bold decision to declare Northeast and Cook clearly in agreement with it, you know, they clearly, they, they, must, they must have a very good team spirit down there, they must have a very tight-knit, good group of players. And the, Sam Northeast and, and Chris Cook, they, they know that the team comes ahead of individual records and accolades. And they went out there and they said, right, well, we've got an opportunity here. We've got a massive, massive chance to bowl them out. We've got them on the back foot and we're going to go for second and we are going to get those points. And with four games of the season to go, we're going to, you know, essentially put one foot in that top two and go for it. And they did. And I think, you know, they might have maybe observed what happens to Leicestershire when you put that line up under a little bit of pressure. I mean, I saw it firsthand when Knots were down there, you know, rolling them out in a session in a little in a little bit over a session. You know, it can be done. And the the fact that they, you know, they'd either clearly done the research or they were willing to back their player so much, a combination of both, it, it deserves a lot of credit and it is the mark of a team that's in a really, really good place. It's a strong dressing room. It's a tightly knit group of players and it's they're performing well. And frankly, you know, what else do you need to say to start saying, well, you deserve to go up on the back of that? 
Well, they most certainly do. And yes, there are still four games. It's still, I think there's only eight points. Again, we'll get to the tables at the end of our Division 2 wrap-up, but it is still pretty tight at the top of Division 2, even off the back of this incredible performance from the Welsh side. But you mentioned about Brian Lara's record. Just, Just to divert ever so slightly, isn't that remarkable as well? We've seen 410 out today, and it's still 91 runs shy of the record in the county championship. It's breathtaking, again, from the Prince, BC Lara. But Sam Northeast, again, rightfully deserves all of the plaudits. But I think that's also important to recognise, Matt. And I think you've summarised that quite beautifully. The team chemistry, the squad dynamic in that Glamorgan side at the moment is brilliant. And quite clearly, they are a side which are fighting for one another. They believe they can get promotion. And I tell you what, another good couple of performances, they should get there. They really should. So well done to Glamorgan. As for Leicestershire, it's a tough one to take. But again, I don't think we need to overly analyse this. Leicestershire are not going to get promoted. They've been struggling at the bottom of Division 2 all season long. They're aware that changes will have to be implemented in 2023. But if they can take any positives away from this, Matt, I know it is incredibly disappointing. They've just lost by an innings after racking up 584 runs in the first innings. But if you were to take any positives away, I suppose, aside from Vale Morda, who we've already mentioned, are there any positives, any glimmers of hope which Leicestershire could cling on to off the back of this? Yeah, I think, you know, they, they, they obviously managed to put together 500 and some in their first innings, which is, by, you know, not a mean feat. It's not easy. Um, yes, I know the, the, uh, the boundaries are small and the outfield is fast at Grace Road and it would have been fast this week, especially with the hot weather that we've had. But it's... The signs are there. You know, it's not like they were... I know the. I know it looks like they were completely rolled and they lost by an inning, but they did come up against an absolute... You know, you're not going to come up against that. You, you, you know, you're going to come up against that once a decade, if that. You know, that, that, that's how rare that sort of... For a team to get 700 and some... Now, I know I'm talking about this, obviously. They did it last week, which slightly undermines the argument a little bit, but it is rare. It is rare for them to do that or for a team to do that. So I think, you know, they've, they have competed. They have put up 500. They've clearly shown a bit of, you know, a little bit of um, longevity in the field. You know, they've had to show that. They've, they've, they've had to get out there and they've had, they've had to stay out there and you know the, the professionals they will always do that there's no I don't think there's a sense of alarm about motivation I think there's maybe some questions over ability that's more the thing but I don't think you can question the commitment so that is the problem that you're dealing with I think I think you simply need that little bit more quality among the lineup but conversely they do have that in parts. I mean, you mentioned VM Mulder there. Uh, Lewis Hill scoring 81 again in the first innings. He's been pretty reliable for them. Um, Lewis Kimber as well, and a you know, young player coming through 68 in the first innings and then put up, I suppose you could say, a bit of a fight trying to take the um, game back to Glamorgan with a 26 ball, 26 in the second innings. You know, these players are doing what they can. So, yeah, I don't think there's any immediate great cause for, you know, let's lose our heads. It's been a poor season, of course, it has to finish bottom. But then, you know, you just have to remember what you're up against. And, you know, even in Division 2, not Glamorgan, Middlesex, these teams with big budgets. I think Leicestershire, there's signs there that they, they can be OK. They've just got to, 
build upon that, which is easier said than done. But if they can, then they'll rise again, I'm sure. Well, I, I certainly, for one, hope that they do. I do like Leicestershire as a club. It has been a very rough season. They had the points deduction as well, didn't they, in the T20 blast? But just one of those, isn't it? It is a long-term project at Grace Road. So, yeah, we'll just have to keep our fingers crossed and hope that, that better things come in 2023. But talking of an East Midlands county, which are having quite the weekend, they've just signed Ollie Stone, Warwickshire's seam bowling sensation, over this, uh, over this past 24 hours, a Nottinghamshire County Cricket Club who played out a very high-scoring draw at the Encora ground in Derby. And who better to turn to than Mr Wiley, a man who was there live in the flesh watching this game, actually. So, Mats, if you can, take us through, in particular, Nottinghamshire's innings and a certain partnership. But in terms of the game itself, what did you make of this contest in terms of Nottinghamshire's batting, Derbyshire's riposte, and, of course, again, the wider context where does this draw, this result in, in the East Midlands derby, leave these two sides at the end of the 11th round? Yeah, for sure. So, in terms of the game itself, then Nottinghamshire won the toss, opted to have a bat on what was an absolutely swelteringly hot day. This was Tuesday. This was the day when all the records were broken, uh, temperature-wise. We'll get on to the cricket records in a second. But they lost Ben Slater early on, the former Derbyshire man, and we were starting to think, oh, is this going to, you know, it's, it's a really hot day, but is it going to be as ideal for batting as we thought it was? Um, yes, it is, yeah, because then we went through the entire rest of the day, pretty much with about, I think, 40 minutes into the morning session when Ben Slater was out. Uh, there wasn't another wicket for the rest of the day, which, you know, fairly uh, shocking, to say the least. And Nottinghamshire closed day one on 439 from one, and this was Hathipa Mead and Ben Duckett just pretty much blitzing the attack, uh, the Derbyshire attack at will. Um, one thing that I was really surprised about, this was uh, a not not best goal for Ben Duckett, 241 he went on to get, and a career-best goal for Hathipa Mead, who went on to get 196. Hathipa Mead's previous career-best was 122. I was really, really surprised. It seemed so low for a player of his calibre and his ability, and, you know, the fact that he'd never got 150 before, but he hasn't, but he finally has now. Um, there was a bit of a wobble once those two had gone. Duckett was the first one to go on day two, and then there's a bit of a middle-order wobble, and Derbyshire fought back. But then um, Hamid and Duckett's partnership ended up being worth 402, which is the highest second-wicket partnership for Nottinghamshire in first-class cricket, and the second-highest Nottinghamshire partnership of any wicket in first-class cricket, uh, just four short uh, of 406, which is set in 2000. Um, but yeah, so that has ended up being not ended up posting a massive 618 for eight because there was a late triple figures partnership again between Jimmy Pattinson and Liam Patterson White. Um, you know, two players who were pretty handy with a bat with a bat in hand. Um, both of them can send it a long way, and indeed Liam Patterson White did, reaching his 50 with a massive six. And then came Derbyshire's turn, and they, you know, throughout their innings, it was always going to be a case of, you know, they they couldn't win the game at that point, but it was always going to be a case of trying to dig in and drag it out. And they did that successfully. Over two innings, they did that. Brooke Guest, looking a real player with 109 in the first innings. Uh, Madsen, they added, they made a very useful partnership at the end of day two, uh, when Madsen 74 to post 318. Yes, they were asked to follow on. It was highly unlikely that they ever wouldn't be asked to follow on, purely because of just the colossal nature of what they were facing. But then they did it again, 249 for four throughout the rest of the day. 
Uh, Lewis Rees, 86. Harry Kane, 70. They put on a massive opening partnership of 161. It was real tenacity from Derbyshire. And again, I know I keep talking about this, but it is massive evidence of what Mickey Arthur has done to that club since he since he came in. It's, it's the culture change. And I've, I'm going to... I've said this... Uh, I've, I've said this only word for word before, but I'll say it again. The the first step when you're improving a team that's been really poor over a number of years is to make them hard to beat. You're not going to make them world beaters straight away. You're not even going to make them a really good outfit straight away that's, that's winning regularly. What you want to do is start off by making them hard to beat. And that's exactly what he's done. Because we saw it in the game at Trent Bridge. Yes, Nottingham should have won that ultimately quite comfortably. But Derbyshire battled hard. They wouldn't have done that. 2021 Derbyshire wouldn't have done that. And I'll tell you something, 2021 Derbyshire would no way, no way would they have survived four days. I could be, you know, I, I could have been wrong. Who knows? We'll, we'll never know. But I fervently believe that 2021 Derbyshire facing 618 would have just folded twice. And that is the Mickey Arthur effect. Now, the Mickey Arthur effect can be quite handily summed up by his quote. Uh, obviously, there was the option on Tuesday because of the high temperature to end the day at 4.30, to end the day's play at 4.30. Uh, Mickey Arthur said, no, no way. Uh, our boys have to get used to it. We're, you know, some of them are going on to tour for the land curve. They've, they've got to do it. Uh, you know, there's, there's a man who, uh, who's not who's not one for an early finish. And that is his character and that's what he brought to Derbyshire that fighting spirit and that willingness to knuckle down and do the hard yards and ultimately it, they've come out with a really really handy haul of points there to maintain what you would say is, is a handy position I mean not to be relatively happy with it they're still 15 points clear at the top but Derbyshire definitely still within touching distance it's going to be tough they're 20 odd points behind third and a few more behind second and it's still going to be tough but if they'd lost that game, it'd be even tougher. So it's a. I think you know if you if you ask me my regular question about who's happier with the draw, Derbyshire are definitely happier with that draw. Well, you have just taken the words directly out of my mouth there, Matt. I was going to ask that, and to be honest, we don't need to go into too much more analysis about the game. I think you've summarised that quite beautifully. Of course, I just want to say well batted to the likes of Hasib Hamid and, and Ben Duckett. That was. A sensational partnership, it really was. I, I could not believe the the score at the end of day one. It was just remarkable, wasn't it? Wickets falling all over the shop. We saw uh, 16 wickets fall at Edgebaston, for example, in those sweltering temperatures. And a Sabermead and Ben Duckett, maybe we need to put some heat lamps on them. You know, that might make them perform, might it, <laughs> as we get into September. And who knows, they might put on a 500-run partnership at some point in the future. Notts fans would certainly not be against that in the future. But... In terms of just one Derbyshire player that I want to zoom in on and just give a little bit further analysis on this week is Brooke Guest. Because again, very impressive in this game, in particular in the first innings. Scored 109 from 267 balls. And I'm just looking at his stats so far this summer. He's Derbyshire's third leading run scorer with 803 runs, an average of 47.23. But pivotally, he scored four centuries. You know, there's a reason why Brooke Guest was invited onto the podcast. You know, he's a very, very good young prospect. We wanted to learn more about his story. And to be honest, we love it when former guests excel and do well in county cricket. So for that reason, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to Brooke Guest. He's always had this element of potential surrounding him. He showed little glimmers of it at Lancashire. I said this about Eddie Byram at Somerset as well. 
and now he's gone to Glamorgan doing very similar things. It is always wonderful to see young prospects actually experiencing and displaying that potential as well. So big up to Brooke Guest and Matt, as you've rightfully said as well. Yeah, a massive, massive shout out to Derbyshire because this is a side they might not get promoted. It is going to be incredibly tough as we head into these final four games, but it comes back onto that that little passage from Mickey Arthur that he had in that pre-season interview where he talked about the club becoming hard to beat. And Derbyshire, at least in this game, and on a couple of occasions earlier in this campaign, have certainly done that. So, yeah, an enthralling East Midlands derby, even though it did end in a draw. Again, records tumbling all over the place, as has been the case in Division 2, across the 11th round. And another great game of cricket. It really was. So, so yeah, it takes two to tango. And yes, obviously, plaudits to both Nottinghamshire and Derbyshire for their respective efforts in that game at the Encora this week. But aside from that incredible game at the Encora ground, let's move to our third and final game in Division 2 for the 11th round which saw Middlesex and Sussex play out a very intriguing draw indeed at Lords. Now, Matt, it's funny, isn't it, that we mentioned those sweltering temperatures on Tuesday. In fact, it was a record breaker here in the UK. I think the record was 40.3 degrees down in London, which is where this game was held. And staggeringly, and Matt, you know exactly what question I'm about to ask here, but staggeringly, Tim Myrtle won the toss and elected to have a bowl first at the home of cricket this week. What did you make of that decision, first and foremost? Well, yeah, it was one that you kind of, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's another county that uh, that did that, that uh, will no doubt come on to, like you said. But yeah, it's, it's a bit of a strange one, wasn't it? I mean, when you, you definitely don't want to be fielding in those conditions, you really don't want to be bowling in those conditions. I mean, to be honest, do you really want to be batting in those conditions? But yeah, you, you definitely do not want to be fielding. But, you know, at the same time, Tim Murta is himself a bowler. He he knew, you know, it's not like he was a, he's not like he's a batter who's just gone, right, lads, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this weight off my shoulders, off you go, you know, you go and do the hard yard. He's got to do it himself, which I think, you know, gives you a little bit more respect of his decision. He clearly judged the conditions, you know, he's a professional, he's a consummate professional, he judged the conditions, he didn't just go, oh, it's a bit hot, let's bat. You know, he he must. He looked at the pitch, he presumably looked at, you know, how things were going to play out through the rest of the day or through, through the rest of the game. And as it turned out, it was a fairly, you know, all right, I think, in the end performance. Uh, because, uh, yes, I know Sussex went on to... You know, I know Sussex went on to give them a first inning deficit, but you know, had that game had had there been a bit more in that game, had that game gone on for longer, I think Middlesex would have won because Sussex were Sussex folded in their second innings more or less, and they might be begrudging the fact that they didn't have any longer to you know to take the game to Sussex because they, you know they they would have faced a very very realistic target, I think, but. I think overall, in response to the question about the decision, I respect it, and I respect Tim Murta for doing it, and I think it shows his yeah his professionalism. Fair enough, Matt. Again, there are some reasons. There is clearly some rationale behind it, but I just couldn't believe it. I also couldn't believe, obviously, Warwickshire. We'll get onto those when we get to the Division One counties. But goodness me, it was sweltering. It was so hot. Imagine. 
the the looks of disgust and distaste in that dressing room when he got back and said, boys, <laughs> we're having a bowl first in this heat today. But unfortunately for Middlesex, it didn't actually pay off. Sussex racked up 523 runs from 162.2 first innings overs. And that was in large part to an outstanding third wicket partnership of 219 runs between Tom Allsop, who I'll get on to in just a second, and the ever-reliable, ever-phenomenal Chiteshwar Pujara, who scored 231 from 403 deliveries to bring up his 16th career first-class double century. He's different gravy, is Chiteshwar Pujara, and again, it was a pleasure and a privilege to be able to watch him on the live stream at the Home of Cricket this week. But alongside the ever-astute, ever-reliable Indian top-order batter was a certain Tom Allsop, who, as I mentioned on last week's show, I wanted to just have a little bit of a deeper dive into on this particular review episode. So far in 2022, he has scored 778 runs, an average of 45.76, and he's also scored three centuries. Now, for me, I think he's gone massively under the radar. It was a, a pretty controversial move in the first place, wasn't it? With Ben Brown almost switching, doing the opposite, going to Hampshire, and then Tom Allsop has consequently made the move to Hove. But in a way, that's actually paid off, hasn't it, for both parties? It's not often we see that in county cricket, but Ben Brown's been excellent for Hampshire with both the bats and the gloves. And the exact same thing can be said about Tom Allsop, can't it? Yeah, it absolutely can. I think that, you know, when you look at that move on paper, it's definitely the case that Sussex have, oh, sorry, Hampshire have taken Sussex's, or one of Sussex's best assets, and they've maybe given them in return someone who's a bit unproven, somebody who, you know, they, they clearly view him as surplus to requirements. It's never, you know, you, you've always got that belief that you can take this player and turn him round and make him top quality again, but it's, it always maybe you've got that feeling in your back of your mind, oh, we're signing a player who's clearly surplus to requirements somewhere else. So it's a risk on our part. And at the same time, they've nabbed our captain and possibly our best batter as well. It's it's always going to be tough, that mental side of it. But like you said, to be fair, it has worked out brilliantly for both sides. I think Sussex, yes, Sussex might still think, oh, we should have just kept them brown. You know, it's, it, it, was, it was a safe option. But credit to them, that they've got that deal, that you know, they've that is the realities of having you know Hampshire on your doorstep. They've got Surrey on the doorstep as well, who took Chris Jordan off. Then it's it, it happens. It's 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 what happens in county cricket. Unfortunately, the bigger clubs they come along and gobble up your players, and so you have to make the best of it. And massive credit to Sussex that that's what they've done. They've negotiated something that ensures they get something out of that deal. They're not just it's not just a drain of their best players to pastures new. It's Yeah, I have to give Sussex massive credit for that. You most certainly do. And of course, you have to give a lot of credit to, to Tom Allsop, who's oh, not just been impressive in the championship, but also in the blast as well, put together some very, very impressive knocks. So I'm buzzing for him. Again, another former guest here on the podcast. We know how to spot talent here at TCCP. And who knows, you know, maybe if we get some Warwickshire players, we might actually score some runs as well. But aside from that little Bears-related divergence, Let's head back to this game at the home of cricket, where in the first innings for Middlesex, the Saxes themselves also batted quite well. In fact, they racked up 485 runs with John Simpson 
another former podcast guest, lovely fella as well, scoring 109 from 225 balls. Toby Rowland-Jones as well, who, when he's in this sort of form, is absolutely box office to watch. He really is 85 from 78, which included 11 fours and three sixes. And they also had contributions from the likes of Sam Robson. He scored 62. Peter Milan scored 64. And talking of Peter Milan, this brings me on to one of the greatest pieces of trivia that we might get ever on the County Cricket Podcast. And this was provided by Xavier Vothill, who is very much associated linked with Sussex County Cricket Club. When Peter Milan was dismissed by Greek national Aristides Carvelas, Carvelas became the first Greek national to take a first-class wicket in the county championship since Nick Potas in 2006. What a piece of trivia that is. That's one to tell your friends, because that is a great, great find. It really is. Hang on, Potas took a, Potas took a wicket. One career first-class wicket in 2006. Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was wicketkeeper. <laughs> yep. It's it? <laughs> it his only ever career wicket as well. So, again, fair play to Aristides. Brilliant stuff. And he's had a really interesting career as well. Now plays for the Greek national team. Used to play in South Africa for Hauteng alongside Northamptonshire's Ryan Rickleton. So very, very good to see him in county cricket. And talking to someone else who really impressed on Sussex debut was Brad Curry, Six for 93 from his 27 overs. Talking of interesting stories, he's another one. His brother Scott plays for Hampshire. He's come up through the Dorset pathway in the national counties now plays for Scotland as well. And I was really impressed with his pace, with his line, his length, his discipline, just kept it really simple. There is that little bit of assistant at times from the Lord's surface. And I thought he played the conditions quite brilliantly. So Brad Curry, I do think it'll be a matter of time before he does secure a deal at Sussex or indeed another county. It depends who will get his signature first at this moment in time. As a result of that, at this moment, the game is pretty evenly poised until the second innings. And Matt, as you alluded to beforehand, Sussex really did suffer a quite extraordinary collapse. In fact, they were 96 for 7 in the 41st over on day 4, only to be saved, salvaged by a certain Aristides Carvelas, who came out like a Spartan warrior this week. Racking up 57 from 97 balls, which included six fours, two sixes. And Steve Finn, the former Middlesex man, breaking Sax's hearts out of the home of cricket with a defensive masterclass. 10 not out from 68 balls as Sussex managed to dig in for those final few overs on day four and salvage the draw. Now, Matt, I'm not going to ask you the cliche question of who will be happier with this result. Obviously, it'll be Sussex. Middlesex would have gone into this game at a venue which they've done very well at in the county championship. They are a very strong side at the home of cricket. And in the wider context of the promotion race, this is a little bit of a blow. There is now a gap opening up between them and Glamorgan, and we've already spoken about the form. But in terms of Middlesex right now, I know they aren't in the greatest of forms, and yes, this will be a very disappointing result, but just still think they've got it within that side to pit Glamorgan to the post and maybe finish in second place. What are your thoughts? Yeah, they've definitely got it within them. I mean, you know, boil it down to looking at them on paper and they've got proper, proper quality. Tim Murta, uh, Toby Rowland-Jones, uh, Stoneman, Robson. They've got quality all over. John Simpson, like you said there. They've got real ability everywhere in that lineup. 
so it, it's got to be an issue of kind of mental belief now whether they can whether they've got that essentially go up against Glamorgan you know go head to head with them for who's got the stronger belief in themselves that they can go up really and I think yes it's tough obviously Glamorgan have exploited clearly seen that gap um I'm sorry seen seen that gap open up at that chance that Middlesex drew and you know they had an opportunity to blow Leicester away and win it and they took it brilliant right fair play to David Lloyd but it's it will be that yeah that 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 mental edge and that battle of of wills essentially as to whether they can um get, just match Glamorgan because I would say I would say on paper they've got a stronger team I really would I mean I know you look at Sam Northeast and you look at the ability there Colin Ingram the Glamorgan have got some really good players don't get me wrong but I think you know both of Middlesex's openers are England Test cap. The wicketkeeper is one of the best in the country, frequently talked about. Roland Jones is England cap. Murtagh's got a Test 5-4 against England at Lord. I was there for that as well. Oh, very nice. I wish I, well, hang on. Were you there for the... Oh, no, you weren't. You, were you there for the bad bit where we got rolled out? Yeah, 86. <laughs> of course I was. Carry on, though, Matt. Well, I was, I was there in the same, the same year. I was at Headingley for getting rolled out for 67. One of the best Test matches of all time. And I was there for the wrong day. Um, but no, so you, you know that, that that is a really, really that that Middlesex lineup is packed with quality. So simple answer: can they do it? Yes, of course they can. It's whether they've got that ability within themselves, within their mindset of knowing that they're going up against a team that's really, really collectively strong. And you know, after all, I think it's I'm going to paraphrase slightly, but individuals can win your games. You've got to be a team to win a tournament or to win the league to get promoted and you've got to be you most certainly do Matt and it is going to be a bit of a dogfight heading in to these final four games and the reason why a beautiful transition as we look now at the table is because it's so close in division two at the moment top of the table on 175 points a knots in second moving up one place a Glamorgan on 160 points in third a Middlesex on 152 points in fourth a Derbyshire on 136 points. In fifth and sixth, respectively, both with games in hands, are Worcestershire and Durham on 127 points and 111 points. In seventh, are Sussex on 107 points. And in eighth and bottom place, and to be honest, looking very likely for the Wooden Spoon in 2022, are Leicestershire County Cricket Club on 72 points. So, Division 2, it's up for grabs. The race for promotion is well and truly on, folks, and we'll be here to provide you with all the in-depth analysis, all the stats, all the trivia for the remainder of the 2022 season. But aside from a remarkable week in Division 2, Matt, let's look forward now to Division 1. And there's no better place to start, really, is there, than at the Oval, where Surrey, the juggernaut, the Titans, whatever you want to call them, to be honest, they look unstoppable. But Surrey racked up a huge victory on home soil this week, beating Essex by six wickets at the Kia Oval. Now, in terms of the game itself, Essex won the toss, elected to have a bat first, which appeared to have backfired quite spectacularly. The The visitors were 91 for six within the first 29 overs of their innings as a result of some remarkable bowling from the likes of Kemar Roach, he took three for 63, and a certain Dan Worrell, who took six for 56 from 19 overs. A great display of fast bowling 
from the Aussie in South London this week. But after that absolutely appalling start, cometh the hour, cometh the man, Adam Rossington, scoring 100 from 151 balls, 9 fours, 3 sixes. And at that moment of time in the game, of course, it was still up for grabs. This was massive, wasn't it, Matt? His first ton in an Essex shirt. Just a few words on that knock, if you could. It was quite superb, wasn't it? Yeah, it was integral, wasn't it? And I know I, I probably say this on a weekly basis. No, I don't. I, but as well as the batting ability, the ability to shepherd the tail, because everybody goes out there with the intention of scoring runs. It's never a foregone conclusion that your tail's going to fold. And, you know, you, you might get six or seven wickets deep and think, oh, we've nearly got this wrapped up now, lad. You can never think that because in Washington, he, he rotated the strike so well, he ensured that he could score the majority of the runs and keep, you know, get them two crucial bonus points. But then he also allowed Simon Harmer, who chipped in with a really valuable half entry. You know, we know we know he can bat a little bit. And also Sam Cook as well had a quite a useful cameo of 21. And, you know, you might have to say that 21 is exactly the difference, uh, or, well, more or less the difference between 249 and one bonus point and 250 and beyond. And, you know, two bonus points, it's it got them into that territory. Uh, I know at one point doesn't, you know, it rarely makes a difference, but it can do. And bonus point, you know, bonus points are there to be earned for a reason. And that is why it was so, so crucial. If they just, you know, if he hadn't got what he'd got and they'd been rolled out for, say, 120, 130, maybe 150 if they were lucky, they'd have been really, really staring down the barrel. But ultimately, he got them to what was really quite, you know, a competitive first inning total. And it gave, once again, it keeps Surrey, it keeps the opposition in this case, Surrey, in the field for longer. It tires them out a bit. It means the bowlers have to keep going. It, you know, it's hot. It, it really, it, having that ability to get the tail wagging is massive. It really is. It's, it's so much more valuable than I think people give it credit for. Well, it most certainly is. And again, full plaudits to Adam Rossington, and Simon Harmer as well. Simon Harmer did bat very well in Vauxhall this week. And as a result of that, Essex did manufacture a pretty competitive 271 all-out in their first innings, which looked even more competitive as the likes of Shane Snater and Sam Cook, who each took three wickets apiece in the first innings, had Surrey in all sorts of trouble on a score of 112 for seven in the 47th over of their innings. But then, and this has been pretty much the case all season when it comes to Surrey, someone, a very special someone in this case, who received his cap and there was a lovely moment on day three in front of the entirety of that Surrey squad, came to the party in quite resplendent fashion. And the man that we are talking about is a certain Will Jacks. 150 not out from 184 deliveries, 253 minutes of the crease. Ten fours, eight sixes, eight sixes for Will Jacks. And it was the acceleration from his century to his 150, which was so impressive. We talk about the wider England conversation. He's knocking that door down with some ferocity, isn't he, Matt? He really is, mate, yes. Um, it's been an absolutely special season for him. And I think when it's... So two things. I think, one, that England middle order is not secure it's very you know there's 
there's certainly some characters in there right now that you that you know you, you're not you're not getting out. But there is one or two spots potentially up for grab. And so, you know, there's, there's that opportunity. There's also the opportunity of, you know, we're, we're going on tour in the winter to go to the travelling reserve. There's always that chance. Second thing, he fits the current England test setup like a glove, doesn't he? He's just, he is. He's, I know now, apparently, uh, Brendan McCullum doesn't like this, but it's such a perfect term. I'm going to use it anyway. He is bad ball personified, isn't he? He's got that, like you said, the acceleration and, I know Brendan McCullum has talked about this and he's said, you know, don't be defensive for the sake of it. Don't be poking at things that you don't need to poke at and try and, you know, grind you out. You don't need to do that. If the balls are there to be hit, then hit them. And that aggression that Jack displayed in racing from 100 to 150, like you said there, shows how he can do it. You know, he gets to the, he plays well through to the 100 and then he shows off what he's capable of because he's really capable of being aggressive you know we've seen that in the shorter format so yeah um it's it's a really really well-timed innings both in terms of timing the ball and time you know uh knocking down the door for uh, for future england series i think um south africa will probably come too soon you'd have to be honest there's probably maybe a couple that they'd want to try first but like i said traveling reserve and lions teams there's always that opportunity. And if he keeps doing that, there'd be a fool not to have a look at him, definitely. I think with Will Jacks, to be honest, Matt, it's a matter of when, not if, isn't it? It, is. it really is a case of when is he going to make that next step up? And to be honest, I see it being sooner rather than later. He's just a precocious talent, isn't he? I think that's a good way of describing him. And you mentioned about Basball personified, just looking at his strike rates. He has got the 15th best strike rate in Division 1 so far. He scored 586 runs average of 53.27 with a 74.93 strike rate and he's hit 13 sixes which is only bested by a certain Michael Burgess so he's certainly got lots of power hitting capabilities has the Surrey man and again a great moment I've already mentioned the cap presentation thoroughly thoroughly deserved to say the very least but from that incredible individual feats from Will Jacks this is where the game started to turn and turn irreparably for Essex as the visitors were skittled out for 208 runs within just 64 overs in the second innings. Dan Worrell yet again, Essex's bogeyman in South London this week, taking five for 66, leaving Surrey needing just 161 runs in order to secure the all-important victory. And to be honest, Matt, I'm really happy actually because this gives me an excuse to talk about another good young Surrey talent, Mr. Tom Laws, who we may or may not have on the podcast at some point in the 2022 season. No spoilers there. But in terms of his batting this week, 32 not outs from 54 balls, that was a pivotal knock, wasn't it, in that situation to take Surrey to this all-important victory? Yeah, it absolutely was. And I think, you know, everybody seemed to chip in in that. And they, you know, when you're chasing a target like that, it's always going to be in favour of the batting team, without a doubt, in, in favour of the chasing team, I should say. But, you know, you need people to step up and you need people to chip in with those valuable runs. And he he did that, you know, when there was, you know, they did... I wouldn't say they were regular wickets, were they? But there was just that little, you know, when Ryan Patel went and then when Jamie Overton followed him two or three overs later, it was, you know, they were, they were close enough by that point. But the calming influence of having that 
not out and that established Baxter at the Cree to just come in and just you know just just be there and just you know I mean not not that Ollie Pope coming in at, at six needs any reassuring from somebody a bit younger than he is but you know it's just it, it's it's calming it's okay it's just you know yeah they've took a couple of wickets but we're almost there you know we're gonna we're gonna see us home we're both getting not outs and you know and that's that's all you need and like I said you know that mental edge can be really, really crucial. And he he did that and it bodes really well when you can step up, you know, when you can trace down something like that. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not calling for him to be put in the England side just yet. But again, you know, that is, I think that's why we love basketball so much in the chasing aspect. It's really, really good when you can keep your head and remain calm and just guide your team to victory in a chase. And that's what he's done for Surrey there. And, you know, it was a really special moment for him to do it at the Oval. And indeed, I might just jump back a second as well on Will Jackson's cap to receive that on the Oval outfield. Not that any other county is any lesser, of course it's not, but the Oval is one of the great grounds of English cricket, isn't it? So to receive that there has to be something special. It was, and it was a lovely presentation as well. For those who haven't seen it, I think you might be able to find it on Twitter. Again, I'm not a, a quote-unquote sorry fan. I love all of the 18 first-class counties, but... Even I found that incredibly special and a very touching moment for, as you said, Matt, a very, very good player to, well-deservingly, receive his first 11 cap for such a big county. But yeah, Tom Laws, he's very impressive. I mentioned this so many times on the Twitter account, and I'm just looking at his bowling so far as well. Three matches on pretty flat wickets, 11 wickets, an average of 19. Very, very impressive start to life. And in fact, I saw him in the, in the Sri Lanka development game down in Guildford at Woodbridge Road. And even since then, again, he just, he catches the eye. Yet another very bright prospect from that Surrey Academy production line. But massive win for Surrey. Disappointing for Essex. But you know what? Again, at least they did take the attack to Surrey this week. In particular, with the ball in hand, they'll be tremendously disappointed to have lost this game. Again, Southern rivals. There is that history between these two great counties. But this Surrey side just look really unstoppable. But talking of the title race and talking of yet another county, which are having a very impressive 2022, let's head down to my favourite outground in the country. Let's go to Cheltenham, where Hampshire registered a vital six-wicket victory over Gloucestershire County Cricket Club. Now, again, we've spoken about the conditions, the sweltering heat, unsurprisingly, Hampshire did win the toss and elected to have a bat first in this game, which seems to have paid off. It really did. 457 first innings runs with 118 coming from Felix Organ, 95, and may I just say, and we use this word to describe James Vince's batting all the time, but a very classy 95, might I just add, from James Vince from 162 balls. And then a barnstorming 50 from just 38 balls, which included seven fours and two sixes from King Keith Hubert Douglas Barker, saw Hampshire put in a very commanding position within the first day down in Cheltenham. Now, in response to this, Gloucestershire, it's been a very disappointing season. And unfortunately for the West Country outfits, this was a very disappointing batting display. Rolled out for just 201 runs within 64.2 overs to essentially lose any hope of winning this game and also allowing Hampshire to enforce the follow-on, which unsurprisingly was taken with glee by James Vince. 
Now, to his immense credit, and I do want to give one player in particular a tremendous shout-out on the podcast this week, Cheltenham's very own Miles Hammond. He showed some great grit, fortitude, character, determination, and all of the above. With an excellent 169 from 278 balls to provide some very useful resistance for Gloucestershire and put some smiles on the faces of the home crowd who were in attendance at the outground this week. But unfortunately, by this point, and in particular after a remarkable Kyle Abbott sixfer, which included a hat trick as well, for those who have not seen the footage of that, I think it's on the County Championship Twitter and Instagram. Go ahead and watch it. Great hat trick from a very special bowler. But after that incredible bowling display from Kyle Abbott and the Hampshire seam attack, yeah, the, the Southern side needed just 81 runs in order to secure the victory, which incredibly unsurprisingly was chased down within just 9.3 overs as Hampshire strolled to a convincing six-wicket victory in some style down in the West Country. Matt, a few words on one player in particular. And that is, of course, a certain Kyle Abbott. He's a remarkable bowler, isn't he? I feel like we haven't actually spoken about him much on the podcast so far. We always allude to that incredible Hampshire bowling attack. We focus in on the likes of Abbas and Dawson and Barker. But Kyle Abbott is having an outstanding season. He's taken 39 wickets in 10 matches, an average of 22.58. He is a very special bowler for Hampshire to have in that unit, isn't he? He is, yeah. And I think it's almost quite telling that we haven't spoken about him too much. And he is one of those players that almost gets taken for granted a little bit, little bit isn't he? He's just always there or thereabout. But it's because he's built up such a reputation for himself that you almost expect him to do that every week because he's so good at it. And when he, he come, when an overseas player comes back year on year, it's just such a massive vindication of your recruitment process. It shows that you're in a good place as a club. It shows that, you know, things are functioning as they should be when an overseas player like that can go out and perform in conditions that aren't as familiar to him as might be, you know, as as, the, as his uh, fellow professionals from this country. And, yeah, that, that's how he's got himself into this position. He just does it repeatedly so much. And, you know, he's not the fastest, but he's so accurate, isn't he? He's that just put it on the spot, just relentless, relentless, relentless. And then in partnership with a bath who can swing it around corners, it, it's such a potent and he is such a key part. It, you know, like I said, it's it's that teams when you think, you know, teams put them, they're second in the table because they've got such a good team and every player in that Hampshire attack knows their role so well and Abbott performs it so well and he's, it was his turn today, oh, this week. I'm sure next week it'll be Abbott's turn. Week after that, it'll be Barker. And then the week after that, it'll be Abbott again. But that is what makes this Hampshire team so special. That attack is made up of lots of different players with their own individual qualities. It's not just one person constantly having to pull the rest of them up. They all pull each other up. And that's what's so good about it. I really like that description, to be honest, Matt. And they do say variety is the flavour of life. And I suppose you could say... That Hampshire attack is very flavourful with the likes of Keith Barker with the left arm angle. Kyle Abbott, whenever we talk about Kyle Abbott as well, I just think back to the 17 for 86 against Somerset in 2019. That was another extraordinary bowling display from the South African. And then you have the swing guard system, Mohamed Abash, to the left arm spin of Liam Dawson. It really does make you salivate as a cricket fan, just the options, the variety 
that is available at Hampshire's disposal in 2022. But we always mention Hampshire's bowling attack. I don't think we have much more to, to add, really. With regards to the Southern County this week, it is basically the same thing every single week, which is brilliant for Hampshire fans. The consistency, the reliability of this unit is second to none. But just before we do move on from this game, Matt, a few words on Gloucestershire. Because, yes, it's been a very disappointing season. Yes, they are bottom of Division 1. But again, they can take some positives, can't they, from this game in particular with the emergence of Miles Hammonds and that incredible 160. Yeah, they can. And I do think Gloucestershire have been a little bit unlucky on more than one occasion. I think that, you know, when you look at the table and you say, you know, you've got 10, uh, 10 games played, zero wins. I do often think, oh, they don't they don't really deserve to have zero wins. They've put some really good teams really far. You know, they are not far away or they're not as far away as zero wins from 10 games would have you believe. And I know the table doesn't lie. I know it's just numbers and, it, and it's difficult to say, well, that's wrong. But it, it does feel wrong. They do feel like a better team than that. And they might well go down. It, it's They might well be, I'm not sure, you know, they're professional sports. I think they'll keep fighting until it's no longer possible. But if they are, you know, consigned to that. But they they can they can have plenty of belief that they've got a really, really strong team that just wasn't quite able to compete, just wasn't quite able to crack the nut of a lot of better teams. I think that's the thing. The, the thing that you have to remember, some really, really strong teams in that division. And just because you haven't been able to beat them doesn't make you poor. It just means you're not quite strong or you've just not quite got that killer edge. I have no doubt that Gloucestershire have plenty to build on and they are more than capable of bringing in a player or two who can help them take that step. And if they do go down, I would probably back them to come straight back up. I really would. They've got a lot of good players down there. Well, they have, and, and that's what's made this season very, very strange. And in particular, when you look back on Richard Dawson's reign as the head coach, they were a county which was heading in all the right directions across formats. You know, in white ball cricket, in both 50 over and T20 cricket, Gloucestershire were incredibly competitive. And in red ball cricket in 2021, seven victories. It was the most across any of the divisions. They were an incredibly successful side. But, yeah, it's just not worked, has it, this season at all? There will be questions about Dale Benkenstein's future as head coach. I know that if you look at Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, that does come up an awful lot. Again, we're not going to give our opinions on that just yet. There are still four games and, of course, there's the the entirety of the Royal London One Day Cup, but yeah, a bitterly disappointing season for a very likeable county, so I do feel bad for Gloss, but as you rightfully said, Matt, yeah, hopefully things will improve heading into 2023. But talking of another game in Division 1 this week, before we head on to my county's performance this week, or should I say lack of performance, down at Edgebaston. Let's talk about the game between Northamptonshire and Lancashire at Wantage Road, where the Red Rose of Lancs beat Northants by four wickets in an instant county championship classic. This game really did have it all. So Northants won the toss, elected to have a bat first in this game, and rather uncharacteristically for Northants, struggled to get first innings runs. In fact, the home side was skittled out for 235 runs within just 76.3 overs as a result of some brilliant bowling from Luke Woods, 
an Indian debutante, Washington Sundar, who is an RCB fan, makes me very, very happy to see him in county cricket. And boy, oh boy, did he deliver at Wantage Road this week, taking five for 76 from his 22 overs. But talking to people who delivered, Matt, that is a beautiful transition into Lancashire's first innings. Because after that uncharacteristically low batting display, Lanks themselves had an absolute shocker. The Red Rose were dismissed for just 132 runs, in large part to a magnificent 5 for 14 from a certain Jack White. His maiden first class 5 for 13 overs, 14 runs conceded, 5 wickets, an economy of 1.07, and 6 maiden overs bowled. Matt, a few words on that extraordinary display from Jack White in Northampton this week. Well, yeah, I think um, it, it puts you in mind of uh, his, his namesake, doesn't it? His uh, full name, I believe, is uh, Kirtley Jack White, isn't it? And uh, I think I uh, made this joke on this, Twitter. This is all <laughs> yours, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Kirtley Ambrose, not Kirtley mm. Jack. Um, yeah. Who also played for Northants. Who also played for Northants. There you go. It's uh, The connections are evident already. It's... Yeah, to, to, to go up against a team with the batting, you know, a team like Lancashire, who last week absolutely pulled Somerset into the door, it's really takes some doing, doesn't it? It's, you know, it's, and I think it shows a lot of fearlessness on the part of a young bowler like that. Um, you know, once again, Ben Sanderson setting them up beautifully, um, opening the bowling, and he's like he has done for so many years in county cricket. Uh, he only got one wicket, but, you know, it's, it's about the control that he exerted and allowing Jack White to uh, essentially rip out the heart of the top order. I mean, five of the top six wickets fell to him, didn't they? It's just, yeah, it, it was a really, really good performance. And as I'm sure, you know, ultimately things didn't work out the way Northamptonshire would have liked, but it's just, it was really, really, it, it, hand, it gave them the upper hand in this game for quite a long time. And it, it, credit to Lancashire that they're such a good side that they managed to, you know, um, turn it into, as you said, a really closely run game. But yeah, he was he had it right on this spot and he was bowling excellently. He was indeed. And to be honest, I'm very happy for him because he is a hard worker. He's one of these, again, an unsung hero at times in county cricket. And in fact, I just had to read out his bowling averages his bowling performances in 2022 so far because again he's gone massively under the radar for the East Midlands County. So for Northants in 2022 Jack White has currently taken 16 wickets in four matches an average of 20.31 which on a flat wicket at Wantage Road is incredibly impressive and again I do just feel like he needed some plaudits on this week's episode. I thought he bowled very very well indeed But unfortunately for Northants, things began to unravel after this moment because a certain Will Williams, who again, very shrewd piece of business from Lancaster, not just have him in the squad for 2022, but also have him on a contract until 2025 as a local player. He went in, stormed in, took figures of 5 for 41. Tom Bailey taking 4 for 65 and getting the ball talking as Tom Bailey does so masterfully. Those two actually put the pressure on Northants quite exceptionally. Aside from Ryan Rickleton's 59 out and Simon Kerrigan's 43 from 66, there was no other real resistance for Northants as the home side was skittled out for 174 runs in their second innings. Now, as a result of this, Lancashire needed 278 runs 
in order to secure the victory, which, to be honest, at one point looked like it'd be very easy. They had Stephen Croft and Josh Bohannon looking at real ease at the crease with the Lancashire side on 165 for two in the 46th over. Now, unfortunately for Lanks, Croft, Villas, Parkinson and the centurion Josh Bohannon were all dismissed in pretty quick succession. But the two overseas heroes, Will Williams and Washington Sundar, came to the party in quite sensational fashion. Williams scoring 29 out, Sundar scoring 34 out, as Lancashire chased down 278 runs in 86 overs to secure a massive win to keep them well and truly in the title hunt. So Matt, I'm not going to ask the question who's happy with the result. It's pretty obvious, Lancashire, they won the game. But this really was a great display of character from the northern side at Wantage Road this week, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely was. And once again, it's you know you've you're always going to be up against it as a county like Northampton. You're going up against a county like Lancashire with infinitely more resources, and you know, like you said, they've just signed Will Williams on a three-year contract because they can do that. You know, they just just that's 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 what they can do. And Washington Sundown as well, another brilliant overseas player. You know, they're not. They don't not bring their own players through. Of course they bring their own players through, but they are capable of just adding to the squad, adding bits of quality where it's needed. And so to go up against that and to give them a game like they did is really, really impressive from North Hans. It's like the the quality that you have to display to keep up with them is of a very, very high level. And so it's just to produce that game between the two of them I think the two of them can be very, very proud of their effort, Northamptonshire, for taking it so deep and for challenging them so well. And then Lancashire, of course, for coming out on top. And, you know, anything north of 250 in the fourth innings is always going to be tricky, unless you coach with Brendan McCullum. And it's just, yeah, an, an excellent, really, really excellent performance. And indeed, Williams and Sunder right at the end there, because if those two hadn't got anything between them or one of them hadn't got anything, who knows? It could have gone either way. It's, you know, that's the thing with these tricky choices. Everybody's got to contribute. And when a couple down, it can make it very difficult. But for those two to just calm things down and see them over the line, yeah, all, all you can do is stand back and go, fair play. That's exactly what you needed to do and you've done it. Well, they did. And that is a testament to Lancashire's overseas recruitment. Those two have been excellent. They've quite clearly hit the ground running. Williams in particular. I know Sundar was on debut. That's why maybe it's a little bit too early to say that he's been an excellent signing. But the initial signs are very, very impressive. And again, it is a testament to Lancashire's recruitment. But what a game of cricket. It's one of those which in a few years' time probably deserves a replay on Sky Sports, doesn't it? Just one of those instant county championship classics. A great match, great contest. Takes two to tango. Congratulations to Lanks for the win. Commiserations to North Ants, but a great display of county championship cricket nonetheless. But folks, it's now that time of the show where my mood turns quite drastically and the positivity leaves the room because unfortunately now I have to talk about my county of Warwickshire who, for those who aren't aware, haven't been doing very well recently. In fact, we're 23 days into July. We have won one game across formats. Lost against Langs at Old Trafford in the blast, threw away a golden opportunity of home finals day by being bowled out for 83 runs by the eventual champions, Hampshire. We then lost last week in convincing fashion to Hampshire. And then again this week, we lost to another Southern County in the form of Kent County Cricket Club, who emerged victorious at Edgbaston by a convincing margin 
of 177 runs. Now, before I get into my piece on Warwickshire and where the county are currently at, just to give some context and background story behind this game and to give Kent some rightful plaudits for their display, Warwickshire won the toss, and to the dismay and surprise of many a person on social media, Will Rhodes won the toss and elected to have a bowl first. Now, you should have seen the reaction to that on social media. There was so much condemnation, people saying, oh, Warwickshire are going to lose this, that, the other, and it's a terrible decision. In fairness to Will Rhodes, it appeared to have paid off, as Oliver Hannon dorby who has just been a titan in this Bears outfit so far in 2022, took incredible figures of 6 for 40 to dismiss Kent for 165 runs within the first 40.1 overs of the game. It was a remarkable display of bowling. And Oliver Hannon-Dorby, I just have to give him a tremendous shout-out on the podcast, not only for his loyalty, not only for his off-field behaviour, which has always been exceptional and exemplary for the Bears, but also for his performances in the Championship so far this summer. He is the division's second-leading wicket-taker, with 43 wickets at 21.69. It really is the year of the owl. If Brendan McCullum is looking for a reliable bowler for the 2023 Ashes, you know where to turn to. A six foot seven Halifax-born seamer currently plying his trade in the West Midlands county of Warwickshire. But after that yes. incredible bowling yes. display, yes. that was one of the greatest pieces I think I've delivered in TCCP history. But unfortunately for my beloved Warwickshire, the batting display was anything but incredible. In fact, it was something to forget in quite the hurry. Aside from Sam Haynes' masterful 99, and again, Sam has been exceptional. He really has. He's single-handedly dragging this club as best as he can back into that that mid-table fight. He is fighting a losing battle at the moment, but he did score 99 from 215 balls. And when he got out... You could just feel this collective sigh of disappointment and agony and upset and hurt from Warwickshire fans across the globe. He deserved a ton and he got dismissed on 99. But talking of Kent's bowling, one player in particular, the man who's been nicknamed the Carnal Express, he was making his Kent debut in this game, was a certain Navdeep Saini from again, my RCB. My beloved RCB came back to, to haunt me once again in the form of Navdeep Saini taking 5 for 72 against Warwickshire. He did have his problem with his no-balls, didn't he, Matt? But other than that, the pace, the ferocity, he did leave quite the mark, didn't he, Edge Baston this week? He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what we've uh, what we've obviously said is Kent's, you know, struggling to take those wickets, and it's something that we've had discussions on in the past, haven't we, in previous rounds. So the fact that they've gone in to address that is really good and it's you know they've, they've recognized the problem they've done the recruitment they've done the scouting and they've established and identified a player who can help them sort it out and so he has and whether that was down to poor technique poor shot choice from work yeah or good bowling either one of the way it's worked it's got them you know it's got them what they needed and as much as you know i'll be as you know try and be as diplomatic as i can as, as maybe Maybe it's been a good time to visit Edgbaston because of the form of Warwickshire, but it is still an incredibly tough place to go. You, you can't dispute that, Warwickshire. Like I said, I know games aren't played on paper, but on paper they've got a really good team. 
and ten, you know, I think two, three weeks ago, you know, you know, when when they were struggling to barely keep teams below five hundred in the first innings or in their first innings that they were in their with their bowl and they were struggling to keep teams below five hundred, they would have looked at Edgbaston away in midsummer and gone, Oh my word, what 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 kind of carnage awaits is there? So to fight back, to sign that player, to to win that game, I think is something they wouldn't have expected. And it's I think, yeah, you've um you I think all you can do is you've got to give Kent credit for that. Well, you do indeed. And aside from the bowling, as I mentioned there, Navdeep Saini, Matt Milnes and the Kiwi seam bowler, who again, we'll probably mention a lot more as the season progresses. A certain Matt Henry were very, very impressive at Edgebaston this week. But someone else who was integral to this victory for Kent this week was Joe Denley. And I know that will put a massive smile on the faces of the Denley meme team, who I know do tune in to our podcast a sensational, delicious, incredible century, whatever you want to describe it as. It was a remarkable knock from the former England man in the West Midlands this week because he racked up 141 from 269 balls alongside Jordan Cox, who I've mentioned this already. He's having an exceptional time of things as well in 2022. Currently the fourth leading run scorer in the division with 815 runs and average of 50.93. Those two piled on the misery to Warwickshire and ultimately got Kent up to 384 for nine declared to leave the Bears needing a pretty substantial target of 325 runs in order to secure the victory. Now, this is the point where, to be honest, analysis goes out the window. The Bears were bowled out for 147 runs, eight wickets lost in a single session. Kent went on to rout the Bears in quite remarkable fashion at Edgebaston this week. But I just have a, a few things to get off my chest, to be honest, when it comes to this current Warwickshire side, who as we all know, are the defending county champions, and we won't have that tag for very much longer. <laughs> to be honest, it's going to either be Surrey or Hampshire or Lancashire. But one thing which I genuinely do get very frustrated about with this current crop is the body language. You know, when Kent, Kent were 105 for four, and yes, things were not going our way in this particular game, but the exasperated body language, the expressions, the deflated look on the faces of our bowlers and fielders absolutely did my head in this week because you are representing Warwickshire County Cricket Club. Eight county championships, 12 one-day trophies, a Bob Willis trophy and a T20 blast. That's 22 major trophies. You are representing a club which has seen the likes of Brian Lara, Sean Pollock, Ashley Giles, Alvin Kalacharan, Dermot Reeve, Dennis Amos, Nick Knight, Jonathan Trott, Ian Bell, Chris Wokes. The list goes on and on and on. These guys have fought so hard to get this club to where it is now. You've got two players in Sam Hayne, who's essentially had half a back since the mid-term of the T20 Blast. You've got Ollie Hannon Dorby, who's essentially the only bowler really contributing at the moment. The very, very least that you can do for this club, for the fans, for the stakeholders, and for your teammates, is look like you're interested in keeping this club up. And that is the one thing that I just had to get off my chest for this week, I don't usually rant and rave and moan. It's not my style. But you are representing Warwickshire. That bare and ragged staff means an awful lot to an awful lot of people. To see them out there with that body language, the exasperated look, is really frustrating because that is not just a paycheck. That badge means absolutely everything to us. 
in this county. They're the only professional team which represents the county of Warwickshire. We don't have a rugby team. We don't have a football team. Our pride and joy is Warwickshire County Cricket Club. That is a privilege. It's an honour to wear that badge and it should be treated in that way as such. So that's all I have to say. I'm still backing these boys. I still believe that they can survive the drop and I'm going to be there in person for all four days at the Oval this week. But if I see any heads drop, I'm going to be absolutely fuming. And I will say on the podcast, I'll probably say it in person as well, because it's one thing I cannot stand. You're not always going to win games of cricket. It's sport, it's life. Sometimes it's cruel, it doesn't go your way. But the least that you can do is look interested. The least you can do is look like you want to be there, you want to fight, you want to fight for this club and fight for us who pay your wages week in, week out. So that's that off my chest. That probably won't happen ever on the podcast again. But it just had to be said. You know, I, I do wear my heart on my sleeve. People know that I'm a massive Warwickshire fan. And to see that is incredibly disheartening. And yeah, we, we have to move on. We have to put in a performance against Surrey. So obviously wishing the boys the best of luck. Fingers crossed the Bears can survive the drop. And as for Kent, congratulations. They did produce a very, very complete display with both bat and ball in hands at Edgebust in this week. But aside from that game then, between two relegation candidates, or I suppose Kent might be more mid-table contenders now as a result of that, that particular victory, let's go to the fifth and final game in Division 1 this week, which saw Yorkshire and Somerset play out an unfortunately anticlimactic draw at the Cooper Associates County Ground in Taunton. The reason it's anticlimactic was the weather. And this was, again, a little bit frustrating, in particular for Somerset fans, because this game was really nicely poised. Somerset had racked up the runs for fun in the first innings, 424 to be exact, with 116 of them being classily concocted by Captain Tom Abel, who looked in million-dollar form down at his home ground this week. But after that 4-2-4, they had Yorkshire in all sorts of trouble, in fact, they bowled out the White Rose for 276 runs. And aside from Tom Curley Cadmore's century, not a single Yorkshire player actually scored more than 50. So at this moment in the game, Somerset are well and truly on top. And actually, Matt, just in case I, I do forget, we just have to talk about one moment in this game because this was subject to a lot of talk on social media. And that was the batting of Shannon Gabriel. Because, again, just to give some context of this particular knock, this particular cameo, 2 from 10 to be exact, at the moment in time when he came into bats, Yorkshire were 273 for 9. They were perilously close to being forced to follow on at this moment. In fact, it was one run, wasn't it, that they needed, or two runs to surpass the follow-on. What did you make of Shannon Gabriel's shots? Bear in mind that he is a tail-ender, and yes... Of course, he does have that first-class average of five, famously had that shot against Yasser Shah in a West Indies-Pakistan test. Was that the right decision in that moment of time when you're trying to build a partnership, you're trying to get past the follow-on, which Yorkshire did? Were you, you know, in favour of that shot? I suppose he was attacking, but at the same time, it didn't pay off, did it? No, it didn't. Um, I'm not going to rant to quite the same extent that... Um that you did, mate, um, but I'll sit to the same, to, to give the same sort of passion that you did, um, although there is one thing I'd like to draw attention to in a second, but it's, he's clearly got that, that attacking intent, hasn't he, that he, that he is unable to rein in, and 
you know, you, you have to read the match situation. You have to, you know, we weren't getting anywhere close to parity, but we had to avoid the follow-on. And that that would, you know, that, that would have had us really backed against the wall if that had, you know, if, if, if he'd been out of that ball, then what are you, what are you doing? What's, you know, you, you lose, you just, you know, it, like I, I said it, I said it 20 minutes ago, the, it is not a given that your tailender is not going to get anything. You know, your tailender goes out there with his pads on, with his batting hand, with his helmet on, to get as many as he possibly can. No one's expecting him to really score a 50, or even maybe score 25, or even maybe score 15. No one's really expecting him to get that. Like you said, Shannon Gable's got an average of five, but you have to be prepared to at least give yourself the chance to get something. You have to get, go out there with that belief and think, oh, well, I'm, I'm maybe going to get something here. Don't just do, don't do that. And I don't know, maybe he was inspired by Jack Leach somehow busting out a reverse sweep. And I'm, I'm still... I'm, I'm we we do have to talk about that, don't we? That was a ludicrous shot with Tom Banton on the comms as well. Yeah. To witness it. I mean, I've got, I've got to be honest. The the first time I saw of it, the the, the, first, the first time I saw of it was um, on was on Somerset's TikTok, um, which the chosen to the chosen to put it to the tune of ten things I hate about you, um, <laughs> and it was just it's, it's like yeah, there's there's six things I hate about you, Jack. You, you know, you can count them as they go over the boundary rope. Just, oh man, it, it's, it's like that man is not a batter. He, 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 he got that one against Australia. It's, you know, it's, oh, this, this man's brilliant with a bat in his hand. He's like, he should not be brilliant with a bat in his hand, and somehow he is. And I mean, he's really, he's really, really difficult to dislike, isn't he, Jack Leach? It's like, you know, if that was a player that you, you're a little bit more, you know, you know, check him, check him or leave him, then you'd be a bit, oh, goodness sake, come on. But it's even though it was against my team, you kind of have to go, why? What? And and just smile and just watch it and just smile, don't you? But yeah, um, Shannon Gabriel. Back to the original thrust of Shannon Gabriel. Yeah, I mean, got away with it, but he's going to have to sort that element of his game out. I'm afraid. Yeah, it, it just keeps on happening, and I can imagine it was very frustrating for Yorkshire. Probably wasn't as frustrating as that ludicrous shot from Jack Leach. And fair play to Jack Shutt as well, you know, <laughs> to see his reaction. You can't really do anything as a spin bowler. It does happen. Ridiculous things happen in the game of cricket, and he just accepted it, moved on. And in fairness, actually bowled quite well in that innings. Did the young Yorkshire spin bowler take him one for 34? But from this particular game situation, Somerset, as I mentioned, were well and truly on top. They were 225 for six in the second innings. George Bartlett, by the way, looking very impressive out of the crease, scoring 88 out from 110 deliveries. Tom Lamanby chipping in with 46 from 47. And this was just made for a grandstand finish. I mentioned that classic between Northants and Lancashire earlier. This had all of the makings of a great conclusion at the Cooper Associates County Ground in Taunton this week. Because I imagine Somerset would have declared, and then it would have led to a very difficult run chase for Yorkshire against the Somerset attack, which are fighting for survival. And unfortunately, for us as county cricket fans, the weather played spoil sport in Taunton. It rained and it rained and it rained and eventually the match was abandoned. And the real cruel thing afterwards was I think it was 10 or 15 minutes after the game was abandoned, the sun came out 
it was just one of those really frustrating days for Somerset fans. And obviously in the wider context, if they would have won that game, it would have been a monumental step forward. They could have been above Warwickshire had they won this game. But at the same time, it does show Somerset have got a lot of character, a lot of fight, a lot of grit in them. In particular, with the bat in hand, Tom Abel and George Barl in particular, very, very impressive. So for Somerset, they've got five games left. They are second bottom, as we'll discuss when we get to the tables in a second. But they are a side which can survive. And I'll tell you what, if they produce more performances like this, they definitely can survive the drop in 2022. As for Yorkshire looking like mid-table candidates. If they do lose a couple of games, they could be dragged into that relegation fight, but I think they've got enough points, to be honest, at this moment. I think they've got enough quality with likes of Tom Coda, Cadmore, Lythe, Brooke, and a pretty impressive bowling attack, which has now been boosted by the addition of Shannon Gabriel. So I think for Yorkshire, an an, an underwhelming season. I'm guessing you'd agree as a Yorkshire fan, Matt, but you know, it's just one yeah, of those, isn't it? it? It is one of those. And, you know, we're not the finished article. We've, we've been going to, obviously, you know, you know it's, I, I mean, I'm going to have to word this really carefully and say we've been going through a tough time. It's like it makes it sound like it's not, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm, I, will, I will have to word this carefully, make it sound like it's not the club's fault or it's out of the club's control. Of course, what has happened off the field is everything to do with the club. But crucially, it's nothing to do with the current club which really does seem to be being driven forward that said it has obviously affected things but it's not a finished project it's you know there's still little pieces of the gypsum that need to be filled we we obviously on our day when we've got all our england players now this is the same for everybody but when we've got all england players would i i would confidently state one of the best teams in the country I, you know I'm not saying we could maybe take on Surrey or Hampshire but we would give them a really really good game you know with the likes of Root and Bear you know, um, two of the most informed batters in the country in Red Bull you, you, you'd have to yeah you'd absolutely have to believe that we give them a go and it is always tough when you lose players of that calibre when you almost develop players into being too good that, they, that you never see them but one thing I really do want to say aside from the overall thing that you know, this this is a work in progress and I believe in Otis Gibson, I really do, that, that he can make us competitive um, in the season to come. One thing I really do want to say about this game, did you see the number of extras that were let through in the first innings? 52, 52 extras. For me, now I know it says 26 no-balls, obviously that's 13 no-balls because you get two for a no-ball, so it's always, it looks worse than it is. But that's really, really poor. You know, we had a first inning deficit of 104. Yeah, if we'd sent down, let's say, let's even say half that. I mean, 26 extras is still a fair, fair you. But, you know, A, it would have meant that Somerset didn't get a final batting bonus point. You know, they wouldn't have got to 400. Two, it would have made our task of avoiding the follow-on a heck of a lot easier. And three, it might have actually, I mean, obviously, I know the weather intervened and ultimately we'd never know either way, but it might have actually made any possible fourth inning run chase that we would have had to do a little bit easier as well. It's just, when you concede that amount of extras, you're just putting yourself behind the eight ball straight away and it's entirely your own fault. It's not even like the opposition are batting well. It's just the fact that we're just giving runs away for free. It's it's really, it was really, really poor, I've got to be honest. Um, but, you know, ultimately... We did get away with it, thanks to the weather. Um, but I would say, you know, against the better team, against the Surrey, against the Hampshire, against the Lancashire, we're not getting away with that. We're 
can't, you know, we've, if we've picked our game to concede 52 actually, in a game that was ultimately washed out by the rain, or, uh, you know, get it out of your system, but we really can't be having that happen again. Well, you can't. And again, it is something for this Yorkshire side to improve upon heading into the future. But fortunately for the White Rose, as we've we've already alluded to, the weather did play spoil sport in this game and that eventually did allow them to get those vital draw points. But looking at the table then at the end of the 11th round in Division 1, still top of the table, unsurprisingly, a Surrey on 187 points. In second, are Hampshire on 173 points. In third, are Lancashire on 156 points. In fourth and fifth, respectively, both with a game in hand over the sides above them, are Essex on 123 points and Yorkshire on 113 points. In sixth, are Kent on 109 points. In seventh, with a game in hand, are North Ants on 107 points. In eighth, are My County of Warwickshire on 99 points. In ninth, again with a game in hand, are Somerset on 87 points. And in tenth and bottom place of Division 1, are Gloucestershire on 57 points. So five or four games for the vast majority of the counties heading in to the final few rounds of the county championship. It's still all very much to play for heading in to this conclusion of this year's championship. Surrey are going to take a lot to beat. I am praying that Warwickshire can just get some points. I just want at least a draw. A win would be remarkable. You know, I don't like ranting and raving on the podcast. It's not my style. I want some positive things to say about this club. So fingers crossed for the Bears. They can get results down in South London this week. But that is essentially it from us two here at the Counter Cricket Podcast for today's bumper episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.